All right, before we get started today, I need your help. I need your support. I really want this podcast to grow, but I need you to help me in this effort. I need you to go to iTunes if you're using Apple products. I need you to go to Google if you're using Android. And also subscribe on those channels so I can get your support. And don't just subscribe. Share this podcast information with others. Share it. Share it on your Instagram. Share it on your YouTube channel. Share it. Share it on your Facebook page. I need your support. We want our numbers to grow. We want to impact the community more with faith-based communications. I'm here to do it. I just need your support. Thanking you in advance. Appreciate you very much. Welcome to Season 2 with Dr. Annette West. This show is coming to you from a holistic and faith-based view, sharing varied topics, occasional interviews, and discussions. The purpose of this show is to help us to build up our mind, our body, and our spirit I want to give a shout out to Dr. Sax Love for allowing this show use of his jazz instrumental, Funk Jazz. Now, let's get started with Dr. Annette West's topic for today. All right, now, this is Dr. Annette West here. This is our second part to our interview with Derek Ty, who is a kingdom entrepreneur, a kingdom entrepreneur. And if you did not hear the first part last week, please go back and stop right now and go back and listen to the first part and then jump back into the second part. But I'm telling you, there is so much meat in that first interview that um, you're going to be full and then going to come over here and you're going to get fuller in the second part. <laughs> so again, welcome, Derek. Thank you for having me back for part two. This is exciting. I love talking to you the last time. So this, this time, I really want to um, focus on some questions about your book. We talked about the fact last week that your book is based on the model prayer in Matthew 6. And so your chapters basically are titled chapter 1, for instance, it says my story. So you kind of gave us a bit about you. But chapter 2 starts and it says, why study and involve my faith in my business? And then you start with prayer in chapter three, which says, hallowed be your name. And then you go down all the way to chapter nine, 
where you end with deliver us from the evil one. Love that. Yes, Lord, deliver us. But what I want to, um, and you've got so much meat in between the, the pages of all of these chapters, but I want to um, ask you some questions that I believe can help me, can help the listeners as well. And the first question is, you know, often I hear people say things like, and I know I've interviewed people for the podcast and people say, well, I wrote a book and I didn't really expect to make anything. Or, you know, I just wrote the book and I, you know, I, you know, I didn't think, you know, that God was really concerned with me, um, you know, um, making money off of it. And sometimes I think people have a poor mindset that because they are Christians, that they are not to reap any benefits, any financial increase from what they're doing. What's your perspective on that? Well, I would say, you know, number one, our focus has got to be, uh, like we talked about in the last podcast, was on providing massive value. So, you know, uh, uh, Jim Baker, who's a, is a preacher in Columbus, Ohio, is kind of one of my mentors. He's really amazing. And uh, he talks about, uh, he's like, no one ever says you have too much healing anointing or you have too much breakthrough anointing on you. No one would ever say that. But when it comes to finances and success, Sometimes we kind of get a little uh, touchy about, well, that person's really financially successful. I wonder if they're doing everything the right way. They start kind of judging. But when we're, as an entrepreneur or as a book writer or whatever else, I think we have to remember, number one, there's no limits on how much value we can provide. Mm. So, And in the kingdom, money follows value. So if we're providing massive value for people, and we use the example of the Chick-fil-A founders and how they've become massively wealthy based upon providing medicine value. There's tons of other examples. Look at Bill Gates. You know, someone would compare like Bill Gates to Mother Teresa and they would say, well, who's, who's done more for uh, the, the welfare of the world? And some people would argue Mother Teresa. Some people would argue Bill Gates. I would argue Bill Gates. And mm-hmm. I'm a sold out Christian entrepreneur here. And I would still say he's provided more value to humankind in the business. He created a software that almost everyone in the world uses to become more productive, to be better at their jobs, to, you know, all these things. So just think about it just from the pure economic impact and all the employees he's hired over the last 30 years. And then he takes, we're not even counting all the charitable stuff he's done after he collected $20 billion. And so we think as entrepreneurs, you know, we kind of get this mixed up sometimes that he provided value first and then these billions of dollars came second and if we don't get that in the right order we're never going to be successful and we're never going to help build god's kingdom if we can't get that formula right i like that i like that so as an here's a question that i have for you and i talk to people about this all the time who are business owners entrepreneurs and i think they don't have it quite right So let me ask you this. Let me see how I want to phrase this. Okay, so you have employees, am I correct? Yes. Okay, you pay your employees a salary. Yes. Do you believe that if the going rate for the salary, and I'm just going to throw this minimum number out, is whatever the minimum wage is, that that would be sufficient for the people that work, say, work in your organization? work in your company. Do you think that would bring massive value to them as well as to your company if you only paid them the minimum? 
Well, that's a good question. So there's a few different ways to take that. So uh, <laughs> my, my, my gut is, is that you as an employer want to provide massive value for your employees or they shouldn't want to be there. Mm. And if you've got a big vision, so, and for example, my vision is to serve 200 families for my real estate business this year, okay? So that's my vision as an entrepreneur, and the other parts of the vision are to help impact my community around me by doing uh, service projects with our team, uh, our, you know, our sales and administrative team. And the third part is I want to create five net worth millionaires that are employees of mine. Mm. So, that's the vision I have for our team and our company. And so if they buy into that vision, the hourly rate is less important. They, it, 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 you know, what's their exact market value and is it a dollar too much or a dollar not enough or is the benefits not right? Those things are all secondary to vision. So you've got to have the vision and you've got to have people that are buying into your vision. And then they got to know that like as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, there are margins that have to be held just to make it a profitable business. So if they came in and said, Derek, I love everything you're doing, but I need double this salary because, you know, this is just what I need for my family. They probably aren't buying into the vision that we have because they understand that would, you know, bankrupt the company. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be a sustainable operation more than a few months and then we run out of money so it's got to be number one you got to have a team vision and team buy-in team mission statement i mean those things are kind of hooky and cheesy to some people but if you can't get buy-in from the very top principles you're never going to have buy-in on details like benefits salaries and work conditions hours and all that kind of stuff and and the re and another good reason because you were in the first um session that we talked about you brought up say chick-fil-a for instance and Chick-fil-A is doing exceptionally well in all areas and they pay their employees much more as a minimum wage than other companies. So do you think it's because they just developed to that point that they can or is it just been possibly their ethic to start with? Yeah, I think it's one of those chicken before the egg questions. I, I think you kind of have to have both simultaneously. Okay. You got to have that vision. You got to have the generosity spirit. You got to say, I'm not taking all my chips off the table because you got to have enough for everyone can win, right? You, you've heard the win-win agreements and everything else. I, I think that's true. Um, the, the employees have to win. The customers have to win. And the owners of the company have to win or it's not sustainable for anybody. So you got to come up with an equilibrium or a counterbalancing effect that happens in business. You know, we're getting in the weeds on the business side a little bit, but I'm passionate about business and economics as well. But I've experimented with different business models over the last 15 years, and some have worked better than others. Um, but ultimately, I found that pay is like number eight on the list of things mm -hmm. that motivate employees. Mm -hmm. you know, like we think it's all about how much money they make, but there's so many other things. You know, and you can Google this, you know, what are the top motivating factors for employees to stay with jobs? It's like way down on the list is salary. Yes. Like that's, that's what we focus on a lot is, is uh, you know, people in the news are going to talk about wages and everything else. But usually there's a lot of other things that are more important to people. Yeah. And, and, and as a um, college professor myself, you know, um, my doctorate is in administration, business, management, international relations. So therefore, you know, we've covered all of these things, trying to get students to understand this. And those who are already in the working world or who are already in leadership, 
who are already managers and supervisors, that they can understand these concepts so that they can be more effective in what they're doing in the organization. So most definitely. And so even though, you know, your, your book really is focusing on, I don't want to say it's focusing on the title, go back to the title, the Lord's prayer for entrepreneurs, but the subtitle unlock success and build God's kingdom through your business. I think that's, really important. And I know this interview is not about Chick-fil-A, but they're always such a good example. <laughs> yeah, well, they, you know, they changed an industry. You know, think about this. Like, have you heard the phrase, my pleasure, coming out in other businesses now? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, they set the standard for, um, you know what the phrase was before that? It was either you're welcome or it was no problem. Mm-hmm. So, and if when you say no problem to somebody... You're actually saying there is a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you got to think about it like this. So, so when you have a company that comes in who has a, uh, you know, a Christian worldview, kingdom-centered company, and they change not only the fast food industry but now other businesses. Like I know a, a successful real estate team in our Cincinnati area. They're the number one sales team far exceeds our sales. And they say my pleasure at the end of their phone calls as a real estate company. So you don't think that Chick-fil-A has not had a massive impact on the world they have. you know? So yes, it's safe to use them as an example because as entrepreneurs, we think we're not going to change the world. We're only just going to make a few bucks. But it's actually, yeah, I, I want to make this point, it's selfish to be poor on purpose. It's mm. selfish to have a small vision. It's selfish to say, I just want enough That's for me good. and my family to be content. That's actually very selfish. Because That's if you're good. just living for yourself and you're saying, well, if my family's taking care of my needs are met, then I'm, I don't need to earn any more than that. What you're saying is, is I don't care about my neighbors. I don't care about the orphans. I don't care about the widows. I don't care about anything else. I just need enough for me. So I think God, and, and this is one of the things I talk about in the book, God wants us to have a big vision. He wants us to go out and be successful. He wants us to go out and take new territory. He wants us to build these businesses. If that's what he's put on your heart, you're going to employ people. You're going to strengthen your community. You're going to provide other vendors and opportunities for other contractors to get to do business and feed their families too. It's not just about you and your vision. The, the thing about vision, I'm going to write my next book, going to be about vision actually. Your vision has to be bigger than just you. Your vision is, I just want to make a million bucks. That's not a God-ordained vision. Now, can you make a million dollars in your vision? Yes. But if that's the focus of your vision, it's the wrong vision. The vision that God would give you would look like something like this. I want to serve 200 families this year in my business. I want to help five people on my team become net worth millionaires. And I want to impact our community by doing regular service events. So you're putting a, like, this is this big vision. Have we done any of those things? No. But I want the vision to be so big, I cannot do it myself. God has to help me. Pray is to change it. That's good. That's really good. So here's another question for you. Got some. Got a few more questions for you. So if we, okay, so if God is available to help us with our business, share with us some ways that we can involve God in our business. That's a great question. So I would say, number one, you know, I believe you need to be born again. you got to ask God to be the Lord of your life. Like, say, you know, Jesus died for my sins. He, you know, has given me a new life to him. I become a new spirit mm. being that's never created before. Yes. So that's like step one. Step two is got to be able to uh, have a conversation. You and I are doing two things. 
we talk and we listen. We talk and we listen. A lot of people just talk at God all day. You know, God, I need this, this, this. Here's my laundry list. Here's my to-do list. Get it all done for me. But they never stop and say, okay, now it's your turn, God. You tell me something. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, that's crazy. Like, you're not going to hear the audible voice of God. Well, it's possible. That's not how most people hear God, but it's possible. <laughs> the way most people hear God is that small nudge in your spirit that says, hey, pay attention to this person. Hey, go go off and love your wife a little bit more today. You know, hey, you know, have you tried thinking about this strategy in your business? Hey, have you talked to this mentor before? Hey, did you hire a business coach? So there's things that God can do to nudge us. Um, and I believe there's three kind of leverage points in business. There's model systems and tools. So, you know, a model is how does the best practices in our industry work? You know, a tool, uh, the systems would be the specific implementation. Um, I, I mixed one of those up. So people, systems and tools. So people would be like people leverage. Like you have to have employees, you have to have partners, you have to have co- contractors. And you got to have the systems involved to actually do your job every day to correct what we have the right systems. And the tools could be models that other industry professionals are using. But once you implement those three pieces, then God can switch up any of those things. Hey, hire a different person. Hey, hire a new person. Hey, try this system instead of that system. Hey, uh, there's a, a business coach over here. You should be talking to him. I believe that's how God really kind of affects directly how we manage our business. That's good. That's that's good. Great, great principles that we can all go back and um and, and look into. OK, so here's another question for you. I'm just thinking as you're speaking. Um, and I know as I deal with my own students and the people that I'm coaching, this often comes up and seems to be a problem. Finding a balance in their work and their life. Yes. How do you how do you find balance in your work and life and how do you, and what can you share with the listeners that can help them? So in my business it's easy to work 80 hours a week and, and in my industry and you know I've sold you know uh, like 300 million dollars worth of property and it would be very uh, justifiable in 15 years for me to work 60 to 80 hour work weeks and I have not um, so I believe God can do amazing things with little and so the way i can equate it is it's called kingdom math and kingdom math takes something like a boy's lunch uh and jesus blesses it and five thousand men and their families were fed that that's kingdom math he takes the sacrifice that we're able to give and he takes it and multiplies it uh, there's many examples in the Bible uh, about God multiplying things and turning water to wine and doing other things. This is kingdom man, right? So mm-hmm. what we have to do is we have to first realize that he is the ultimate creator of the universe. He has infinite power, infinite abilities, infinite wisdom. And we have to then say, okay, God, how much time do you want me to dedicate to this job? Now, there might be a season of time where you've got to put in 80 hours a week just because that's just you know, tax time and you're a CPA and that's just the way it works in April, right? But if you're sustainably working those hours throughout multiple seasons and going into six months or a year, you're probably doing something wrong. Either God isn't blessing the efforts, either you are not hearing from God, you're doing the wrong activities, there's something wrong. So I believe in what we call time blocking. So I set up in the book in the back my exact time blocks of what I do. So there's there's several categories of time blocking. One is 
your uh, yearly time log. So you need to set your vacations, uh, you know, like even up to a year in advance. You say, you know what, from August 15th, August 30th, I'm blocking it out. We're going to do, we don't know where we're going yet, whatever, but we are taking a family trip, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's just going one town over, we are leaving. <laughs> so that's a time block. And then I also time block for my wife uh, quarterly trips, just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And even if it's for one night, two nights, a week, like we're going on a trip next week and we're going to be gone together. And we got to get away from the five kids sometimes just to be Derek and Jessica, the married, you know, fun loving couple again, remember who we are together. Um, so that's on the yearly side of things. And then on the, uh, like on the monthly side, you know, we do. Uh, try to do weekly date nights together, so I block that out. It's like that's part of my priorities. I make sure that um, on the nightly side that I'm home about 6 o'clock for dinner every night. And in my business, that's really hard to do. But I've learned that um, the bigger my yes is, it's easier to say no. So if I know what my big why is, is you know, you know, my kids and my wife and my family and my church and my responsibilities are so important. If someone says, Derek, the only time I can meet with you is 7 p.m. on Thursday night, I'm going to ask three different ways to get them to redirect that time. So the first way I'm going to say is, you know, Dr. West, I really appreciate you wanting to meet with me at 7 o'clock on Thursday, but um, I do have other commitments at that time. Would Tuesday at 3 o'clock work okay for you? Mm -hmm. And you say, no, Derek, I got to do uh, 7 o'clock on Friday at the same time. I'd say, okay, is there a chance that you could possibly go in late for work one morning this week or possibly meet me during your lunch hour? I would love to meet with you, but I really do have some scheduled conflicts in the evenings and weekends that would prohibit me from working with you on that. And if you said, you know what, Derek, uh, no, i got to have 7 o'clock on Thursday. And the third thing I would do is I would say, listen, I have a couple of members of my team that are super qualified to do everything that I do, and they have a little bit more flexible schedules in the weekend evening. If I hook Tyler up and he can come out at Friday at 7, would that be okay with you? And at that point, you're either going to say, no, I really want to work with you, and I'll change that, or yes, I'll meet with your uh, business associate, or no, it sounds like we're just not going to be a good fit for each other. But there's three outcomes that happen there. Two of them are positive for me and my business. The third is also positive for me and my business because what I've found over time, uh, Dr. West here, is that if people are demanding of your time outside the times that you want to allow them to do business with you, they will keep doing it over and over and over again. I totally they agree. They who they are and yes. what they want to do. And now I've set myself up for If I make an exception that one night at 7 o'clock, guess what they're going to ask me to do next week? That's right. Same thing. That's right. And so we have to be very protective of our time. That's why those time blocks are important. Hey, I'm taking this trip with my wife. Hey, I'm taking, you know, time to eat dinner with my family. They're only going to be young ones. Uh, and, and I'm going to be there at 6 o'clock for dinner. And, you know, I'm sorry if that doesn't work out for your schedule. And then God's going to make up the business somewhere else. Like, you know, I feel strongly about this. Like, it, that may not have been the business for me. There's plenty to go around in this world. Maybe that wasn't the customer I was supposed to work with. You know what I'm saying? I do. And I, I like I like that. State it and, and stay firm to it, but give options. Exactly. Well, if you called a top attorney in your town and you were being sued and they said, well, I've got 3 o'clock on Tuesday or 4 o'clock on Wednesday, you pick a time. And you said, no, sorry, I can meet Saturday night at 7. They'd be like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, or they won't say it, but that's what they'll be thinking. <laughs> or a doctor. Imagine, you know, like a, a medical doctor, if you had some 
issue going on. And they said, well, the doctor can see you on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And you said, sorry, that won't work for me. I would rather do it at uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. after I get home, have dinner, then I'll do it. They'd say, sorry. So here's the problem is we as entrepreneurs do not do not value our time. This is a gold nugget for everybody out there. You have to value your time, and you have to make your time valuable. Okay? Yes. So if you're not valuing your time, they're not going to value your time. And some of us haven't created enough value in our life where people will value our time, just to be able to frank. So if you don't have experience, knowledge, skills, tools, a resume, and you're not you know, doing well in the craft that God's given you, don't expect people to value your time. So nine times out of ten, people will say, you know what, Derek, I really want to work with you and your team. I will meet you at lunchtime on Wednesday. And that's a mutual respect. They respect what I can do for them. And then I'm being respectful of them saying, I'm not going to give you my best service if it's outside the time parameters I've blocked out for business. That's and, and that's a big gold nugget that everybody out there can take. That's 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 good. And what and it's wisdom. It's putting wisdom in, in, in play. Applying the wisdom that we claim we have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you've got to time block important things in your life. Make sure that you have important things. A lot of people don't even know what they stand for. They don't know what's important to them. They've never sat down and put a list of priorities together in their life. They never looked at a five-year plan or a goal or anything. And then they wonder why their life is being dictated by everybody else. Because they've never been proactive about creating life. There, there's an there's a adage that says, you can have a life by design or a life by default. You choose. That's good. That's real good. Most people live a life by default. Everybody else told them what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and they never designed their own life. You just got to take one step at a time to get that done. That's good. So I want to. Um, we got. We have a few more minutes here. So I want to ask you. You had some takeaways, some key takeaways in your business. I mean, in your book, some key takeaways, yes. and I really like. Well, I like all of them but the one one of them says pay attention to what your childhood desires and successes were as a possible clue to your destiny and so it reminded me of something I always wanted to be when I was a child was a teacher I was inspired when I was in the sixth grade that I wanted to be a teacher but then I didn't think anything about it right mm -hmm. then I went to cosmetology school because it was it was convenient to where I lived. I went to cosmetology school. And when I finished, what did I do? I didn't want to do cosmetology. I wanted to be a cosmetology instructor. There you go. And then, and then when I married and we went overseas, there wasn't a place for me to put that in motion. So then I started working for the government. And where I worked at, every job that I had, I always volunteered to be a trainer. Yes. In what I was doing, what I was proficient in, I always asked, can I be the trainer on this? Can I be the, the trainer on this at the new employee orientation? So I always did that. And so then when we finally came back to the States after being in Iceland, living in Iceland and living in Germany, traveling in Europe, um, came back to the States and I went back to school to finish my degrees. I decided to go to the high school and I said, oh, I'm just going to be, you know, a temporary substitute teacher. Right. Yes. And of course, they picked me up right away because I had all of these training things that I had done. And then it was like, then I finished my master's and I finished my doctorate. And all of these people were wanting to hire me because I had looked like I had all of this training from through the years. Where it was just a bit here, a bit here, a bit here. And it just kind of built up so I could see. And then I saw in your book 
where you talked about how your mom found. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that real quick. So she found this old book. So my first writing exercise was at 12 years old. I went around. I was selling door-to-door products to try to make extra money. Our family didn't have a lot of money. And I thought, if I'm going to get a toy or if I'm going to get something at 12 years old, I'm going to have to earn it myself. So I literally was picking up these like magazine catalogs and selling them door-to-door. So after I got my deep level of experience as a 12-year-old, I decided to write a book about how to be a salesperson and be a successful business owner. And it's a pretty embarrassing list of what I came up with at seven years old or 12 years old. But uh, the final the number seven point on that list was business before pleasure. That <laughs> was really funny as a 12 year old. I was thinking that way. So, and I, I really, I really liked that example when I, when I saw, when I saw it in there. And so we have a couple of more minutes. And so I want to um, use your final thought on your key takeaways. And it says, and I love this because we talked about our voice is for a specific audience. Our voice isn't for everyone. And you said, know your own story and start paying attention to patterns in your own life and journey so that you can share that with others. So who you are is and how you have developed and your walk with the Lord is who you share when you engage other people. And I I love I love that. I, I think this book is so powerful for the business world, for the entrepreneurs, and even just Christians in general, church leaders, I can see y'all need this book, okay? You need this book. And so, um, Derek, before we end, I want you to share with everyone how they can contact you, um, again, where your book is located. And then I want to ask you this question. I know you have a workbook that aligns with the book. But are you doing any webinars and workshops on it? Is my question. You know, that's a great question. Thank you for uh, thank you for all those compliments. Too. I'm I'm very humbled and thankful that God's work got out there and threw me here. I feel like I'm a rubber hose and the water just <laughs> flowing through here, and I just tried not to hamper the, the flow of the water. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, so uh, so to answer this question, so the workbook is almost done. It should be ready next week. Okay. Time for this uh, book signing I'm doing, and I've got Dr. Darlene Mayo, who is a neurosurgeon and neuroscientist. She specializes in brain patterns. She picked up a copy of the early manuscript of the book, said, Derek, this is going to be an amazing bestseller. You have to do a workbook. And I said, I don't have the time, resources, or mental know-how to do a workbook. She goes, I would love to partner with you. So she literally is co-writing the entire workbook for me. Great, and, great. Um, we're going to be able to do that. So that should be next week. And that'll be a practical application. I think we're going to sell for $9.99 on the kingdombusinessbreakthrough.com website. And so that's part of it. And then the other part is, is yes, we're going to start doing a mini course um, that people can, if they can just go on my kingdombusinessbreakthrough.com website, they can fill out a form. I'll give you a free PDF of Holy Spirit-led business planning, which is a uh, really cool uh, thing that gave, God gave me a download on how to plan for a business. It's a one-page how to pray through building a business and building a business plan okay. with the Holy Spirit leading you. So you fill out the form, you'll get on my email address list, and then I'll send you a link when we do get the uh, mini course ready. Perfect. We're going to do a free mini course to people, and then we're going to do a more detailed deep dive Great. Uh, course for people that want to do 
um, you know, like one on one type thing. Okay, that's awesome. So make sure I get that information because we're at our point now, but make sure I get that information so I can put it out as well. And uh, again, thank you. I hope we can stay connected, Derek. You have some great things going on and I may be able to be a part of one of your master group classes, something, teaching something, being something, whatever. But thank you again, Derek Ty, Kingdom Entrepreneur from 100X Acceleration Community and Mastermind Group. Thank you again, Derek. Thank you. God bless you. All right. As we close, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you have not subscribed to this podcast on Apple iTunes or your favorite platform, please do so today. Share a comment and give a five-star rating. Join my mailing list at drannettewestministries at gmail.com. Also, purchase a copy of my newest book, Holistic Wellness, Mind, Body, Spirit, on Amazon or at drannettewestministries.org webpage. Keep tuning in every week. I guarantee you will be blessed.